from the banks of the Yiga River to the mountains of Beauchamp, beside homestead hearths, around travelers' campfires, on the streets of cities great and small, her stories are told. Destroyer of demons, swindler of spirits, former prefect of the celestial city, 10,000 voices telling 10,000 tales. Hear them now as they tell the tales of Frost Cricket. The Three True Loves of Frost Cricket. Second Love. Cade, who needs no title. Part One. Let it be known that this story is approved by the censors of the earthly bureaucracy for the edification of the people of Yengola. I was told that once, when the land was young and the lawgivers walked with man, Frost Cricket, humble prefect of the 8th district, was visited by a divine oracle of Yonkoga, who prophesied of romance. You will find true love three times in your life, stately prefect. Once here in the celestial city, twice on a bloody battlefield, thrice on the banks of the endless sea. Only one of them will truly love you in return. Which one, I cannot say. It is possible you will someday meet a fourth and final love. If you do, Woe to us all, for it will be a sign of the end of this world. Frost Cricket's first true love was the law. She found it in the Celestial City during her time as prefect. Her centuries-long administration ensured that the law was upheld and maintained. But even true love may fade. And as Frost Cricket's years went by, and corruption spread, her love for the law faded and she began to wonder just what was beyond the Celestial City. It was then that some Nolail, the Sleeping Star, and former Pillar of Virtue, tried to burn the Celestial City to ashes. The five champions of the Celestial City fought against the Sleeping Star, but one by one, they were judged impure and defeated. Just when it looked like some Nolail could not be stopped, Frost Cricket rose up, and vanquished the Sleeping Star with sorcery and guile. For this, she was named a champion of the Celestial City. Frost Cricket, however, remembered that day for an entirely different reason. It was the day she met her second true love, the warrior Cade, who needs no title. Cade, who needs no title! She tore the deathless soul from Camrack the Continuous, and had it forged into her blade, cleaves the morning. Cade, who needs no title. Her tireless stride chased down the Erwolf and muzzled its four snarling, biting heads. Cade, who needs no title. Her bold strategy broke the armies of the Reaver Lords and routed them like cattle. Cade, who needs no title. So great and powerful a warrior. Her name was all she needed. Cade, who was gravely injured by the sleeping star, caught sight of Frost Cricket in a cloak blacker than the night of a new moon. Cade's only thought was, What a little shit. I like her. 
followed immediately by a scream of pain. Frost Cricket's only thought about Cade was, Ooh, that must have hurt. But when they met again at the Champion's Feast, Cade had recovered from her injuries, and Frost Cricket grew weary of her post. They sat as equals around the great stone table with Slender Oak, Primus Manyface, and Fireforged Emishio. All of the champions were anointed with milk and salt, and they paid homage to the lawgivers, who in turn recognized their championship. Then the bond servants laid a great meal before them. During the meal, Cade and Frost Cricket threw glances across the table, strangely drawn to one another. They could not have been more different. Cade was an imposing figure, whose voice boomed like a battle horn. She was careful not to appear oafish, and thus did not laugh at Primus Manyface's table jokes, for she did not want to spew food at her fellow champions. Frost Cricket, by contrast, was small and spoke with a serious, quiet tone. She made her presence known by eating noisily and guffawing at every one of Primus's body jests. As the wine and courses flowed, so did the conversation. The second and fifth champion had much to say to each other, for their experiences had been very different. Cade, who led the army of the Celestial City into combat, had traveled to the four quarters of the Earth, but had little experience with those she fought to protect. Frost Cricket, on the other hand, had spent her entire life in the Celestial City. She knew it as an old friend, but she had seen nothing of the world beyond it. Even as the other champions excused themselves, Cade and Frost Cricket talked long into the night. Only when they realized that all the revelers had gone home, and the bond servants were clearing the small tables below them, did they pause. You, uh, want to go for a walk? I've still got some digesting to do. I have an early morning tomorrow, Frost Cricket lamented. But you could walk me to my quarters. Cade stood up, knocking her chair over. As they walked the darkened streets back to the bureaucrat's quarters, Frost Cricket's ink-stained, wizened fingers found the rough, battle-scarred hands of Cade, and they smiled without looking at each other. Cade, always the bravest, spoke first. So, the day we met, why'd you fight that guy when he totally dished the rest of us? Frost Cricket merely shrugged. Someone had to do it. There was a moment of silence, as Cade was unsure what to do with this answer. Then Frost Cricket asked, What about you? Those muscles obviously aren't just for show. For the challenging glory! Duh! Cade held her fists up in a victory stance, grinning as she did when she won a battle. Oh! Frost Cricket was unsure how to respond to this. Cade feeling as though she hadn't explained properly, continued. What I mean is, fighting is the only time I'm not, like, thinking. I'm just, like, doing what comes natural. And that's why I'm the best at it. Being a prefect is all about thinking. It's a lot of thought and patience. Sounds boring. Uh, uh to me, that is. I'm sure it's good for you. Maybe not these days. Are you going to resign? No way. Nobody's as good a prefect as I am. Yeah, but someday you're going to die. What then? K 
Cade's reasoning was sound, but Frost Cricket found the prospect of leaving her post terrifying and also exhilarating. But what would I do instead? Cade shrugged. Well, whatever you want. At this, Frost Cricket's heart beat very fast. It beat even faster when Cade leaned over and planted her lips on Frost Cricket's. With that kiss, the two champions of the Celestial City knew that their love for each other was true, and that no other love they experienced would ever be so deep or so profound. So, tomorrow, I've got to go kill the Reaver Lords. Like, all of them. They're really messing up the trade in the South. Frost Cricket looked up at the clerking tower above her quarters. And I've got a lot of paperwork. Cade squeezed Frost Cricket's hand, as if to hold on to her as long as she could. I'll write you every day. My messengers can run so fast. They never get caught, either. This was a great boast and not entirely true. But Frost Cricket loved Cade for making it. So they kissed again. A kiss only slightly less perfect than their first. And went their separate ways. Cade faithfully wrote letters describing the lands her army traveled, the battles they fought, and the victories that sustained them. Her messengers were indeed swift and dependable. And while hundreds of words may have been an exaggeration, Frost Cricket's letters were sincere and plain in their love for Cade, more than anyone had ever known her to be. Now, Cade's many battles with the Reaver Lords are well documented by the scribes, and children learn early the beautiful tale of Frost Cricket's retirement. We do not need to speak of such things today, save that they deserve their own stories. But know that their romance filled many scrolls, carried by swift runners across great distances. And after Frost Cricket had made many journeys across the earth on foot, after she had seen many strange places and dangerous creatures, her tireless feet brought her to the great falls of Sina Reva, where she slipped into Cade's tent on the eve of her fateful battle with the remaining Reaver Lords. They exchanged few words, for their only thoughts were that they might not see each other again on this earth. It was then that they consummated their relationship, and afterwards, savored the last hours before dawn. But as the light slipped into Cade's tent, Frost Cricket noticed she had an open wound. She insisted she clean and suture the wound. Cade did not protest, much. As Frost Cricket tended to her lover's injury, she noticed a number of new scars she hadn't seen before, and her fear for Cade's life grew. Maybe you could lead from the back this time. It'd be bad for morale if you died. No way. They have to see me up front, or they're going to think I'm scared. Ow! Watch the stitches. Cade twitched as the needle bit her flesh. Frost Cricket tugged on the thread in a petty fashion. Those meatheads can defend themselves. Now hold still. Frost Cricket tied off the final suture. <sighs> They'll think I've gone soft. Cade grumbled as she held still. Oh, is that what they're saying now? That love made you a big old baby? They don't say shit to me because I'd rip their tongues out. Cade knew her retort had been too fierce, and she calmed herself. Also, they respect me too much to talk back. Frost Cricket knew that she could not change Cade's mind. She knelt before her love and offered her something else instead. 
You know, there's a spell I learned in my travels that... Nah, I don't need some magic trick. Cade was prideful even in her darkest hour, wanting the victory to be hers, or not at all. Please? My love, I... Frost Cricket hesitated, looking down in shame. What? Just say it. Cade insisted. This can't be it. Frost Cricket looked up, her eyes wet and red. This can't be all we get. Cade's fiery temper cooled to a simmering passion. She took Frost Cricket in her arms. Tomorrow, you can watch the battle from the cliffs. If you think I'm going to bite it, you can use the charm, okay? Frost Cricket agreed, even though she was terrified, and they kissed and embraced again. As the sun rose, the armies assembled on the fields before the falls of Sina Reva. Frost Cricket watched Cade at the head of her army, ready to lead the charge. Cade did not look for Frost Cricket. To do so would be to doubt herself, and that was not in her nature. The Reaver Lord's armies were a terrifying sight. Their archers used powerful bows that pierced armor, and their war serpents screamed and gnashed at Frost Cricket's heart beat faster as Cade drew her sword, cleaves the morning, which would not be sheathed until it drank Crimson Victory. As the histories tell us, Frost Cricket's charm went unused that day. Cade's keen strategy and warrior's grit brought her to a bloody, glorious victory over the Reaver Lords. She bound them in chains and took the head of the largest war serpent as a trophy. After the battle, Frost Cricket ran to Cade, who was still drenched in gore. You kicked their asses, and you didn't even need my charm! Frost Cricket was happy her love was alive, but Cade's eyes rested on the entrails of the decapitated beast. She had received some training in haruspicy, and she did not like what she saw. Save it. There's another fight coming where I'll need it. The two lovers held each other tightly then, as if it was their last time as if they faced the end of the earth in that very moment. Of course, it was not the end. Three more great battles did Cade fight. First, when the heirs of the Reaver Lords came for revenge. Second, when the Legion of Silver Soldiers attacked. And third, when she fought the Scarab of Bomac. Each time, Frost Cricket traveled to the battlefield, watching over her love. Yet her sorcery was never needed. Cade's army found victory again and again, and proved that so long as the Celestial City watched over the Earth, the will of the lawgivers could not be confounded. But it would not last forever. As the Celestial City grew corrupt, the world grew more violent. Death gorged itself on the many souls that crossed into the underworld. Yet it was unsatisfied with ordinary souls, no matter how many. A twisted obsession blossomed in Death's mind, and it yearned to claim the souls of all fourteen of the lawgivers, and the five champions of the Celestial City, all of whom had evaded its clutch on many occasions. And one fateful day, it did collect them, including Cade, who needs no title. But the hour grows late, and that tale is long indeed. We'll have to save it for another day. Frost Cricket was played by Megan Russell. To see more from her, check out her Twitter at Megan N. Russell. Cade, who needs no title, 
was played by Cassie Price. To hear more from her, go back and listen to old episodes of Frost Cricket. Tales of Frost Cricket is written, narrated, and produced by Joseph Stilwell, and edited by Wes Walcott. Our cover art was drawn by Matthew K. Hoddy. To see more from him, check out patreon.com slash If you like the show, please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. Or follow us on Twitter at FrostCricket. Joe and Wes would love to collaborate with other creators on Tales of Frost Cricket. If you're interested, email animisticengine at gmail.com. You can support the show financially by becoming a patron of the Cave Goblin Network. Visit patreon.com slash cavegoblins and sign up today. Your monthly support goes directly into creating more Frost Cricket, including exclusive bonus content for backers. Or if you want to make a one-time donation, visit ko-fi.com slash animisticengine. Thank you for listening. Come aboard and bring along all your hopes and dreams because we're taking you on a Patreon-exclusive journey through the epic of One Piece. That's right. We'll be tackling the almost 1,000-episode anime One Piece, 10 episodes at a time. Compass left behind, it'll only slow us down. We're not allowed to take notes or research anything during this project, so let's see where the wind takes us. Catch our new podcast, 1000 Pieces, only on patreon.com slash cavegoblins. There's always room for you if you want to be our friend. We are, we are on the cruise. We are. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.